Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. This week's guests are three fourths of the quartet Rudder. Their new album is called Matorning, and from it, this is One Note Mosh. My guests are three-fourths of the band Rudder. They have had an amazing amount of critical acclaim for their uh, second CD. And usually this is the part in the interview where I say, and it's called, but the thing is, I don't really even know how to pronounce what it's called. And so question number one is the hardball question for the evening. How do you actually say the name of this record, and where does the name come from? And anybody can feel free to take it if you just introduce yourself on the way. Uh, this is Chris, and uh, it's called Matorning. And uh, the word is a word that we that we made up for the combination of tomorrow and morning. It's tomorrow morning. I would never have arrived at that on my own. This is what happened. This is Henry. Uh, we had been touring in Japan, and uh, we arrived in California. We played the Monterey Jazz Festival, and we flew down to Los Angeles. And about that time, we were pretty crispy, and. Uh, Huh. picked up the rental van at LAX, and I picked up Keith and Chris at curbside, and uh, Tim was coming down the next day because he'd been playing with Jamie Cullum up in Monterey, and I was so tired, and I said, I've got to go get Tim in the Matorning. And Chris thought it was so funny, and Keith thought it was funny, and that kind of stuff sticks with us for months, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes years, so... <laughs> 
Well, now that uh, people have heard at least a couple of your voices, uh, maybe, Henry, uh, we can just start with you, and uh, you guys can introduce yourselves and, and tell folks what you play in the band, and then you can mention your missing cohort. Ah. Okay, uh, this is Henry. I play keyboard, and uh, I guess keyboard being organ and Rhodes and some synthesizers. I've known these guys for a long time. I guess I've known Keith, the drummer, the longest um, Met him, we met in college and we played in a lot of bands coming up and then Tim and I met when we first both moved to New York around the same time and Chris and I met shortly thereafter and we should mention to folks that uh, you do actually use your last name in performance which is Hay so that's Henry Hay yeah, and right, uh, Henry yeah, Hay, it doesn't right. go just by just by his first name uh, Chris you want to go next yeah this is, uh, this is Chris Cheek here and uh, I play uh, saxophone in the band tenor saxophone um and I play through some uh, some effect pedals, you know, like some delay and reverb and uh, pitch shifters and wah-wahs and other electronic toys. And um, I play baritone sax on some of the recording, but I don't tour with that because it's, uh, it's too much crap to carry around. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim, that means you're up. Uh, my name is Tim LaFave. I play bass. Um, the other member of the band is Keith Carlock. He's the drummer. He's MIA today, but uh, I'm sure several people know who Keith Carlock is. He's a pretty well-known drummer in the drummer world. You, uh, Henry, I think you mentioned that uh, you've known all of these guys for a while. Can you talk about, though, how this particular grouping was formed? Well, we've all known each other for a long time, and uh, Chris and Tim and I had a, we had a band that actually played a little bit of this material before in sort of a sort of a uh, beginning stage, and we were playing with was another drummer in the mid nineties, right? Uh, with another drummer, and we played around town a little bit, and uh, it never really kind of formalized into anything specific, other than just like a once in a while play at the fifty five bar sort of band, and uh, and then we kind of stopped playing with that band, and and. I knew that Keith was coming to town, and Keith and Tim ended up playing a lot with Wayne Krantz, and they they formed what has become known to be one of the most amazing rhythm sections uh, because they spent so much time playing together, and they had such a simpatico. And Tim and I were, I guess, Tim, it was you and I were talking about maybe trying to get together with Keith and seeing how this material might work. Right. And so we did. In a, in a basement in Brooklyn in the building that uh, Chris and I used to live in. And uh, anyone can answer this, but I, does does Rudder have a, a musical philosophy, or does it does it provide, maybe put another way, does it give you guys an outlet uh, for a particular kind of playing or composition that your other projects uh, don't? Uh, this is Tim answering this. I think it's, it's sort of like, to me, it's, it's become like a it's kind of the best of all worlds for for me. Like like everybody sort of can get their jazz thing off, and then, but it's also in, in a compositional way. Uh, compositions are pretty complicated in a, in a harmonic sense, but it's also very rock and roll at the same time. And then, and and then that having said, also it's also very improvisatory. So it's kind of got the best of of all three things to me, um, without it being like a swingy ding thing. It's it's totally, you know, like kind of rock oriented. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no said philosophy, but it, but it's sort of like this kind of thing we don't speak about very much, and we just go out and do. But uh, a lot of the writing for the new record has been just sort of more based on uh, 
how we've been playing live. So it's, uh, you know, that's why I think we're, we're, the reviews are very, very, very positive on this new record because it really actually, I think we really found a sound this time. Uh, and it's a, a lot of it having to do with just having played together and, and you know. Chris, um, can you talk a little bit about how the writing actually happened for this record? Did you guys each bring in compositions to the session? Did you work things out while you were recording? What was the what was the recording environment like? Uh, well, the recording. Henry, you know, this is Henry. I'm sorry. Uh, the band kind of happened. Uh, you know, we used to do just a lot of jamming, and then we had a couple pieces of written music, and so. Uh, on the first record, we recorded some of the jams, and they became title tunes, and we continued to play them, or we would we would play jams and then sort of step back from them and see if there was uh, worthwhile material that we would develop into tunes. And on this new record, there's 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 also stuff that uh, is was jams was jams and was cut into pieces of tunes. But then we also had some stems of music that was written specifically for this for this record but but the big difference is that in the last couple of years we've been touring so much or relative to, to what we had done before that that music that we've been playing for a year and a half has taken on a completely different life than it did before uh, so again, uh, I think that's the biggest difference between the two records right and, and uh, the bulk of the writing this is Tim by the way the bulk of the writing gets done by Chris and Henry um, and uh, it's sort of like you uh, I guess it's written specifically for the band for the for the talents of each guy, but uh, they sort of, you know, they can write something, and we sort of figure out how it's supposed to go uh, as we as we sort of. The advantage of this record also is like some of the tunes we've been playing in the road for a year already, like uh, the One Note Mosh and, and the Hip Hop Three uh, H Club have been have been playing for a while, so that kind of like it was just kind of like uh, taking a well oiled machine and just putting mics in front of it, basically. And if I, if I could say something, this is Chris again here. Um, a, a couple of these tunes, I, I have actually played with a with a different group, and um, and um, but they, not, they have become cool. very different with uh, with Rudder and and Tim and Henry and Keith um, all had ideas about how to arrange them, and even um, like changing some chords in certain in certain spots, and um, and that's been very interesting and, and very very different. So, Chris, it sounds like a very collaborative environment. It is. It is. We and like like Tim said, we don't we we um we don't talk a lot about the music you know outside of the music, and I think that's one of the things that's refreshing for me, and and what makes it so enjoyable is that um people have a way of of uh, of doing things and, and changing things kind of spontaneously, and and it's it's really a, a, like a lot of fun for all of us too, you know, yeah. so that um things can go in very different directions and. And, and we don't necessarily have to worry about it being this or that or or whatever. It just kind of becomes what it is, and and um and it it always feels kind of new and fresh. And and from night to night, the the, the tunes can take on you know very different shapes and go go very different places. <laughs>
Chris, I want to stay with you for a minute and ask uh, whether the effects that you use on this album, is that something you had done a lot of before, or is it something that you've kind of started experimenting with in the context of Rudder? Um, I, I played in a band for a long time called the, the Bloom Daddies with another really great saxophonist, uh, Seamus Blake, and we both use uh, effects. And I guess I started getting into this um, uh, the effect thing maybe, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or something. Yeah, you know, we we uh, you know with 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 the Bloom Daddies with Seamus, we just kind of like went to a music store and like bought some microphones and a couple of delay pedals and just kind of started from there and and just yeah, just kind of uh, it's funny. I like I, I never really practice with the stuff at home. I I kind of just you know fiddle around with it while we're while we're playing and and so there's like a like a big element of um, I don't really know what it's going to do or what things are going to sound like. Um, when I play through them, and, and, and so that keeps it interesting for me and, and kind of different, fresh, or whatever. All four of you are just incredibly busy with a, a broad array of uh, different musical projects, and I wonder whether that is a. It seems like it must be a good thing to have all those ingredients to toss into the stew that then becomes rudder. Is that is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's that's why. Uh, that's why it's, it's 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 fun for all of us, you know. Is that um, you know we can we can go go away from it and, and do other things and then come back to it and, and bring all those those uh, you know other outside experiences back back to the to the music and, and that keeps the the tunes changing and, and interesting. And what I, this is Tim speaking. I also think that sort of like because we all have we're all doing a decent amount of stuff that kind of falls on on the pop side of of things. We're sort of kind of attracting that. Like on this record, and, and especially when we're playing live, we're sort of attracting like a, a uh, an audience that sort of uh, likes. Uh, yeah, obviously there's a jazz element to the audience, but now there's there's another thing to it that's because because the stuff is getting more catchy and more poppy because we're doing a decent amount of that outside of the band. So it's sort of like Chris, for instance, is a is a big country fan, and uh, I don't know, you know, like in other words, like it's not just let's just go out there and play free jazz. You know what I mean? It, there's some kind of hook to it. You know what I mean? There's some kind of uh, we're really paying attention to that stuff. Yeah, you know, even while we're jamming, so it's kind of kind of lending itself to that. And in fact, that you you've anticipated Tim the next question I was going to ask you, which it, now I'll just say it sounds like uh, you guys are really straddling both the kind of you know jam band for lack of a better word the jam band scene and the the jazz scene. I, I get your audiences must be must be pretty interesting. I imagine. Yeah, yeah the guys, they're getting there for sure. Yeah, that does. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting because actually between. I'm sorry, this is Henry, by the way. Between pure jazz and pure jam band scene, there's almost zero crossover. So uh, we actually have seen fans that have come out to our shows in places where the jam band scene is quite strong, like uh, around Chicago and Milwaukee, and folks that are not familiar with jazz at all and may not have heard of any of us, because actually our names, with the exception of Keith, our names probably ring, ring most loudly in the jazz scene because of the jazz stuff we've done. And guys who've never heard of really any of us, and they just know of us as a, as a band. That's there's something very satisfying in that, because uh, you know in, when you play instrumental jazz, the marquees are always based on names instead of the sound of a band. Right. And, and this is Tim. And, and if I could just jump in, like also like you know basically you know we've because we're because our names are known in jazz clubs and people think we're a jazz band. We we wind up playing in jazz clubs, and I think you know. The jazz audience comes and then and then they sort of hear us and it's just like oh okay this is totally something else you know what I mean and 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 in a, in a pleasant way you know what I mean yeah. uh, so that you know the people who are not jazz fans also you know via word of mouth 
hear about us and and they say, okay, this is some other, it's, it's totally on a different tip than in, than kind of either genre. So uh, I mean, the guys in Boston Globe says we're well, kind of creating our own <laughs> our own genre, which I think is pretty funny. It's, it's maybe it's true. Who knows? We're just out there doing our thing. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of why it works. This is Chris again, is because I mean, for jazz fans, there's there's a lot of improvisation, and it's and there's a, you know obviously there's a lot of spontaneity if when you if you come to see a live show and and if you see two shows back to back, you know you'll see that that um you know the tunes are, are are really just starting points, which is like the spirit of jazz, and that we're you know kind of reinventing them you know every time we play them, and then for you know for like the rock fans and the groove fans. They get a lot of that too, because it's it's really heavy and and you know Keith and Tim are really laying it down and it's rhythmically it's very strong and it's really easy to feel and relate to. You know, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I've had this record on in the house a fair amount uh, recently uh, in in preparation for this and just because it's a great record. And um, I have t- two little kids and my three year old son. The last time we were listening to it was just dancing up a storm. You know, uh-huh. all over the house, and then at the same time, um, you know, I'm really checking out kind of what's happening, you know, musically at the same time as I'm dancing up a storm with them. So, I mean, there's something, you know, your your hips can be moving and your brain can be working at the same time when you're listening to this, which seems like a pretty great marriage. That's the hope. <laughs> That's great. Hot with the three year olds. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the target demo right there. Is the three year old crap. Yeah. And this, this is Tim, and that, but by the way, that's not the first time I've heard that. Actually, I have a bunch of friends. You know, you give it to your music friend, musical friends, and and blah blah blah. You just give a CD to them, and then their kids love it. I, I mean, you know, it's kind of a good response. It's really funny. <laughs> back to something you said which is that there's not much crossover between the jam band world and the and the jazz world which i actually find kind of curious because there's a lot of improvisation in a lot of the most famous of the jam bands and it it seems like there'd be some natural affinity between those two camps do you, do you have some ideas about why there's not a lot of crossover it has to do with certain attitudes and they may come more from the jazz side of the table than the jam band side of the table where people are used to jazz being a certain way and something that they can understand and even if it's more avant-garde um, that it has a certain mannerism where 
where uh, soloing is king. And impro- instead of group improvising, soloing is king. So, um, and for us, that's a little bit different model. Soloing we're, is... We're more interactive. Yeah, we're, we're actually... For us to improvise as a group is just as great as if somebody's taking a solo or to, to play a groove that's, that's not even changing that much. So, um, but, but to get back to your question, I think that it's probably more from the jazz side that people are st- staying away from, from the jam band scene, and perhaps people from the jam band scene are staying away from the jazz side because of uh, what I believe is, is a percentage of disregard that some jazz musicians might even have toward their audience. Um, where jazz musicians can have been guilty at times of being self-indulgent, you know, and no, so much so that yeah, well, re- so much so that that they almost don't care what the audience thinks, you know. And I'm not talking about selling out. I'm just talking about about keeping in mind that you're translating an energy that people enjoy, and that's hopefully what we can accomplish when we play. Is is that the music isn't likable because it's complex or cool or, or, you know, fireworks, but that there's an energy that people can can get get with, no matter what their uh, jazz knowledge is. Well, I'm sure we've all had this experience, but I've certainly had friends, you know, who, uh, when I, I say, oh, this particular jazz, you know, record that I dig, and you should check it out, and they say, well, I don't really understand jazz. And that, that kind of idea, of another friend of mine terms it the jazz priesthood, that idea that without being initiated into the rites you can't possibly understand what's going on in the jazz world. And I, I just believe that's patently untrue. And I think bands like yours do, in addition to just being really cool and great and the music is wonderful, are probably performing a pretty valuable service in that regard because you guys are all serious jazz players and you're also, people can can do all the things that they can do to the jam band scene while listening to your record. I mean, it seems like you guys must be breaking down some walls, I would imagine. I would hope. Well, hopefully, hopefully, that's, hopefully that's the case. Yeah, I mean, we're not consciously saying, "Well, let's go for a jam band vibe here," or, or "Let's let's do a jazz thing here." We're just kind of doing our thing, you know what I mean? And hopefully, uh, you know, it'll all kind of come together at a, at a, in a nice way um, for an audience and us, you know.
That was the band Rudder from their new album, Matorning. You've been listening to The Jazz Session, the weekly jazz interview show. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of The Jazz Session is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. The Jazz Session has an email mailing list, which is a great way to win free music. You can sign up at thejazzsession.com. If you're on Facebook, there's also a group for The Jazz Session, and I give away music there, too. The theme music for this show is by the Respect Sextet. Be sure to check out their new album, Serious Respect, online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who over and over again designs amazing graphics for the jazz session. Thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session. Thank you for listening. Bye.